I'm Morgan Dennis, and this is Storied. There was a piece this week in the Wall Street Journal on time. It asked, are we making good use of our time? Are we doing what matters? And someone was interviewed in the article and said that he had a 10-year-old son, and he realized, he crunched the numbers and realized that when his son is 18, he's not going to have any of the time that he has now, as he has with his son. So he wants to make the most of that time. He'll leave his phone out of the room when he's spending time with his son, and when he's walking his son to school, they'll have talks, they'll have real talks. And that sort of put me in mind of some of the things I've mentioned in this podcast about my relationship with my own son and how, you know, we've had these talks when we when I drive him to school. He asks about Ukraine, he asks about all sorts of things. And I use that time to really engage with him. And But there are other things, I think, that are hard to do when you're a parent. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, that role, being a father. Father's Day is coming. Uh, when this episode gets released, it'll already have been Father's Day, but it's it's Wednesday today leading up to Father's Day. So it makes me yeah, think a lot about that role. And and I don't know, it's it's I mentioned in our in the last episode as well about about when my wife and I were gonna have a baby or thinking about having a baby. We we got cats instead for a while and tested that out. And it was a big decision for both of us, really. And it was something that I think we both struggled with and, and still struggle with being parents. I think that's why we waited so long. We waited a number of years before we actually had Max. And it's funny, during Mother's Day and Father's Day, we really kind of celebrate each other. And our big thing on those days is to really not have the other one do any heavy lifting. So it's a nice day, there are presents, there's cake and that kind of thing. So it's it's nice, I'm looking forward to that day. But I think part of why we celebrate it so much is because of its difficulty. We we know, we recognize in the other the kind of exhaustion that comes with parenting and and even in the good times. And and for all I can talk about spending time with my son and having these conversations with him, you know, there are times when I get him and he's talking about his day and 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 I could just barely keep from yawning and it's it's hard. It's just hard. It's a hard daily thing to do. And it makes me forever, and I think it makes my wife also forever, feel inadequate and feel self-conscious about what we can give, what we can bring to the table as parents. And we feel a lot of pressure to give ourselves over to it, I think, and to make the most of the time, uh, because we, we are aware of the of how finite that time is. But it's really hard, I think, to to bring it on a on a given day. You know, it's funny, I asked Max about, I told him about the article I read, and I asked him about it, and I said, you know, how do you feel about things? How do you feel about about my role as a as a father in your life? Do you think about that? And I told him about the context about the the father in the article and wanting to spend more time with his son. And Max is so funny, he was like you know, I think you guys need to think about yourselves too. You're your own people and you've got things to do and it's it's totally okay. And I know part of that comes from him because now there's a lot of things that he wants to do on his own and so he doesn't want to be hounded all the time and 
And I know that he feels like that when I feel compelled to make sure that I'm doing things with him. Maybe he doesn't want to do those things either, but but as a parent, you feel like, you know, you need to. You want to engage your child and you want to make sure that you're doing things with them. And and people talk about being present as a parent, being present all the time. And and I don't think that's at all possible. I mean, I think that there's, I think being there to listen when it counts is really important. When, you know, your child is clearly going through something, something is clearly important to them to make sure you're being strategic and, and listening in those moments. And it isn't hard because you know that it's important. I think what does become more difficult is when it feels a bit more forced, when you're kind of putting in that time. And there's a lot of time, even though the time is finite, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of weekends. There's a lot of holidays. There's a lot of pressure, I think, to feel good about about what you're doing. And I know that in stages of parenting, I mean, it's much different parenting a young child than it is an older one. It's easier in a lot of ways having an older child. But I remember that when my wife and I first had Max, we would give each other a lot of breaks. We would, I would make sure that she had time to sleep in. Uh, She made sure that I had time to sleep in and we would trade off a lot. We do that less now, I think. But it was something that we did a lot in the beginning just to kind of cope with with the change. And it was funny because I remember struggling. We both struggled, but I remember struggling when Max was a baby and looking to literature and looking to guidance, I guess, for for how to manage the role, how to be a parent and how to, especially with a newborn. And it was funny because I think a lot of the the literature for fathers was really framed around them being left out of the process, them being feeling that they're not the center of attention anymore. And I found that so irritating because there was just so much work to be done and I didn't find that at all. I mean, I found that my wife and I both, you know, weren't the center of, of anybody's attention other than our, our child's. And, and so it was funny to, to read that back then. One thing that was easier for me was actually just doing anything. It was funny because I could take Max out. I remember taking him out to the Home Depot in the morning and putting him in a, in a buggy and wheeling him around. And, you know, he's probably missing a sock and he was in his pajamas. And I remember it being funny because I thought that anybody looking at me would be like, oh, wow, that dad is so great. He's out there. He's spending this time with his child and he's, he's letting his wife sleep in. And I felt that that was what they were thinking. Who knows if they were or not, but I, I think it's a realistic thing to think. I think that, and I think that fathers can kind of get away with a lot. Whereas if you had a mother doing that, I think it's the opposite. I think they would be like, oh, can't you get your kid together? Or he's missing a sock or, or what have you. And so I think it's a lot harder for women. I think it's a lot harder for them to deal with the feelings of ambivalence and any sort of difficulty they have with the process. You're expected to really be on and you're expected to be over the moon. And there's not a lot of avenues. There's not a lot of acceptance, I think of 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 the challenges that that parenting poses or at least that feeling of ambivalence i think it's coming out a little bit more now but certainly 10 years ago it was it wasn't the norm and it's uh, it creates a lot of pressure i think compassion also goes a long way in parenting i remember when max was eight i just went through a stage where i was just everything he was doing just irritated me <laughs> and i had a really hard time interacting with him and 
uh, I just found it hard to dig deep and be there and be present in any sort of moment, really. And to the point where I just had to step back and I actually had to do some of my own cognitive work in, in reframing the whole thing and telling myself that, you know what, he's an eight-year-old and this is his life. And more importantly, like this is his shot at this. This is his time to be eight, to be silly, to be whatever. And and he was having fun. And so I remember just having to kind of drill that down to myself on several occasions and just remember that. And it helped. It really actually helped to to do that work, to do that mental work of reminding myself that. And and I think that compassion was really at the base of that. And another thing that I think is important and it's quite obvious, I think, is to just be a good role model and not even really being conscious of that, but being conscious of how you present to your child, how you deal with issues as they arise, how you respond to people on the road when you're driving around, and just being conscious of how you interact with the world. And I, I think that that's really important. And I think that you can do very subtle work in either direction. You can do damage or you can make a real positive difference, I think, in your kid's outlook. That's something that I do both consciously and, and not consciously is is just making sure that I'm interacting in a way that makes sense and I'm responding in a way that is positive or at least is in line with being treated the way that I like to be treated. And of course, there are moments when you slip or moments that you're not reacting in a way that shows the best. But I think it goes a long way to to provide some context for that and to step back for a minute. I do that quite a bit with Max where I see myself responding to something in a way that is, if not not filtered, is just not necessarily the way that I would want to be remembered for having responded to something. And so I'll back up a bit and I'll talk to Max about it and and talk about his response, talk about my response. And I find myself doing this a lot and this provides another kind of avenue of, of connection. But I think that it ultimately helps him see kind of a role for for how to operate in the world because it's tricky. I mean, he's really good because he has his own really quite amazing sensibilities. He's an incredibly honest kid and I think that comes to him naturally. My wife is really honest and maybe he gets that just just through the DNA from her. But uh, I've learned a lot from both of them really about how they respond to things. And it's nice to have that kind of influence in the world. And I guess that would lead to another point would be to just allow yourself to grow yourself, to learn yourself from your kid or from being a parent and being open to that continual growth. Because I think that there's a temptation, especially when you're trying to carve away something for yourself, when you're trying to, you know, trade off with your partner or or do something or have that time. And I know this is going back to Father's Day, having time to yourself, time to do something important, hugely important to do that. But also being able to realize that there's something to be gained from yourself authentically, from those experiences, from being sort of in the trenches of parenting. And I think it's really easy to forget that and think of the role as really selfless, as a grind or something that you have to be continually working to everything that you do has to be 
has to be for your child. And I think it can go the other way too. It should go the other way, but I think we forget that a lot. I really think in some ways having two kids would have been easier. We have an only child. I was an only child growing up and my wife would kill me probably for hearing this, but but yeah, I think it would be easier. It certainly would have been harder in the beginning and that's a big reason why we both didn't want to have more more kids. My wife did a little bit, but she really realized that it was it was just it was hard. So we just had Max, but uh, I can certainly see when he spends a lot of time with his cousin, his cousin's over and and when his cousin is visiting here, it's actually a lot easier for us just to move through our lives and and, and it alleviates that pressure to do something to to make sure your kid is off the screen and, and to be actually active and engaged. Uh, I find that we're actively engaged with Max and his cousin when his cousin is here. And, you know, we just talk with them and it's natural. And uh, it, it just reminds me of how how I think in a lot of ways it would have been easier having two kids. I mentioned in the last episode this new kitten that we got for our cat and, and uh they're they're actually they're they're getting much more comfortable together and now they're playing together there's still a little bit of hissing and growling but uh, again it's funny that i uh, quite early in in this process wanted to make sure we got another cat for my cat because he was so used to having another cat there and part of it is just that ease of mind knowing that they're occupied and and doing stuff together and uh, and you know just watching that happen it made me think about how it would have been having another another child. I think there's a lot of benefits too from having an only child, and and certainly I I felt that way. I didn't want siblings growing up. I know that some of my friends who are only children, and that I don't have many who are only children. Uh, some feel like they were happy being only children, and others felt like they could have used some siblings. But um, but Max also feels like he's fine <laughs> on his own, and uh, I think it definitely suits him. When I asked Max that question about my own parenting or my role as a father and what he felt about all that. I had partly in my mind, I I thought about that from the perspective of me being his age, I guess, and, and thinking through my relationship with my father. And I was trying to remember things. And I mean, I can remember a lot of broad strokes, but I was, I was just really trying to remember what kind of relationship I had with my father. Now, my situation is, I guess, a little bit different. My dad adopted me, but he adopted me when I was about one. My mom and my biological father split when I was quite young, when I was a baby. And so the dad that raised me and who I call dad and and fully acknowledge as as my father don't have a relationship with my biological father John my my dad who raised me yeah it's just it's hard for me to think about what that relationship was like i think i tend to project a lot onto it and i think that especially before i had max i thought a lot about parenting and perhaps that was why the idea about being a parent was so complicated for me was because I had my own complicated history being parented or, or having um, a father who, who adopted me. And, and again, I didn't have that other context with another father, but I, I, feel like, I feel like because I didn't have this relationship with my biological father, that there was some you know, baggage there or that more so it would call to question my own role as being a father and perhaps I was scared about maybe leaving 
when I had a kid because I couldn't take it because I don't, I, I don't know the context about how my, my mother and my biological father split really, but they, I, I think that they're, I think I had feelings about that. And I think that they, they certainly impacted my, my own decision to be a father, but, but they must've impacted my own relationship with, with my father. Not that we ever really addressed it. I mean, I, I treated him as my dad, but I think that when I think back on it, I feel like because he adopted me, because he inserted himself into our family, or rather I shouldn't say inserted, but I tend to think of it as him kind of taking on uh, my mom and me and that there was some sort of sacrifice. And I think at the very least, my impression about him as a father back then was thinking through him as being somebody who who did us a favor and that must have been kind of put out by it. And I don't have a lot of evidence for this. Um, I feel like I feel like I sometimes think about him um, being maybe impatient or being distant when I was growing up, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any real concrete examples. I feel like though, when I'm that way and I feel that way coming on with Max, that sort of tendency of reacting to him that way, I feel like it's coming out of, of my dad, of him. Maybe I feel him within me when I'm having that reaction. So so again, I'm not sure how accurate it is or how much it's my own projection. I have a really good relationship with my dad, but I rarely talk to him. He lives on the other side of the country and has for many years. We've been separated by this distance and we don't talk a ton. And I I tend to regret that and I think that he does too. And we have good chats when we when we have them, but I haven't seen him in quite a while because of the pandemic and haven't been out there and he hasn't been here. And I think it's, I, yeah, I, I think, I think it's unfortunate. And I think there's a, a loss there. I mean, it's, it's hard in my busy life with being a parent, with being a professional, it's hard to find that time to connect. And I think it'd be a lot easier if we lived closer for sure. Um, but that would come with its own you know, complications, I'm sure. But my dad and I have always gotten along. We've never had, we've always had a sort of a sort of a delicate relationship, I'd say. I was probably closer to my mom and probably in a not very healthy way in that I think that she kind of kept me a bit closer, kept that relationship a bit closer, the one that I had with her, closer to her. Um, and it wasn't that she didn't allow my dad to, and I to get close, but I, I felt like, I feel like looking back, there was a bit of a barrier there that she wanted a kind of alliance to be formed between me and her. Uh, I saw this play out more when I was older and I could, I could, um, realize it more and, and pay attention to it. Uh, but I think looking back too, there are ways that, that she encouraged that. And even in just her, I remember her keeping secrets from him and pulling me into those secrets. And they weren't major secrets or anything, but I remember once I I got a rat. I don't know where I got this rat. I guess I bought it. I think my friend had a rat. I don't know. I, I, I think I was 15. Anyway, I came home with this rat and and I showed my mom 
and she thought it was really cute and she played with it, but she's like, you know, you can't show your dad this. And so we kept it in a box in my room and I, I really didn't think anything of it at the time. I felt like, okay, well, this is probably a good idea. He would be, and I think he would have been pretty angry. We lived in this house called the barn house when I was quite young and it was on this field. And I think there were rats in there and he was really worried about that. He wouldn't have wanted rats in the house or even a pet rat, I guess. Maybe he would have been fine with it. But my mom micromanaged the situation and didn't tell him and, and told me not to tell him. But But looking back on that now and just thinking about that, in my own relationship, my own dynamic with my son and my wife, it would be really something if one of us kept a secret like that. And especially if it was found out, I mean, it would really, it would really kind of shift our reality. And maybe it's partly because we just have such an honest relationship, but I think my mom was more, uh, tended more to do things like that and be okay with it. But I've often wondered with my dad, how it was for him again, to use my phrase, taking us on and what he thought of, of that life. And I think I'd had this talk with him once and it wasn't that long ago, but I'd been talking along these lines to him and he actually made me feel a lot better because he said that, you know, he was looking, he, he loved my mom and he met her and he was looking for a family. And I think he had his own insecurities about actually uh, having a child. He had had a very, very, uh, difficult relationship with his father. His father was quite violent, not towards him, but toward his mom. And and he was scared of that. He was scared about bringing a child into the world, I guess, related to him and passing on that lineage. So I think it provided him with something. It was really helpful to hear that. Um, but it's hard. I've got to, it's one of those things you have to kind of remind yourself of because the impression or the impression I had of him doing us a favor, I think is a strong one. So it's good for me to kind of think of him, about him, uh, you know, also that it provided him with something significant. But for all I don't remember growing up, I think that he was a very gentle father. And I think that a lot of his values were passed on to me. I do think that there are ways that I'd mentioned about being compassionate. I feel like parts of, of that were passed on through him and just out of kindness and, and being considerate for, for the other. But I like to try to remember my dad, especially coming up on Father's Day, a day that's just so focused around me. In some ways, I've got to remember to call him because my wife just makes it such a focus with me, which is great. But, uh, but I'll give him a call then and, uh, one thing that I find when I do talk to him, and I don't know if other people have this as well, but I feel like because we're all so different when we grow up, so different from our parents, and our parents also change, I feel like there are burning questions that I have uh, about my dad, uh, about his life, about these very things, what we talked about. I can have them when I'm not with him, when I'm not talking to him, but I feel like almost as soon as we are talking, I forget these things. I forget to ask them. And my, I chalk it up to the fact that we're just different people. And it's almost, it's almost like we're actual different people. And it's just hard to remember that that's the same person. But maybe I'll ask him what we talked about. I, I'd like to know. I mentioned in previous episodes that we used to go fishing a lot. And we did. And it's funny because actually, I never really connected that much with fishing. So I must have wanted to go with him just to hang out with him, I think. Uh, he was... I think he was probably disappointed that I didn't take to fishing more uh, than I did because he certainly did a lot more of it than I accompanied him on. 
So we're going to a cottage this weekend. I'm excited about that for the big Father's Day weekend. And I got a grant application in today. It was a Toronto Arts Council grant that I applied for. I actually received it some years ago for a different project. But when I was applying, they wanted a, a writing sample of no more than 15 pages. And all of my stories are at least 25 pages. So I actually had to dig back to an old story that I wrote. Oof, it was probably 18 years ago. And uh, I think it was 18 pages. So I chopped it down, down to 15. It was actually really interesting to go back to that story. Um, and it's a story, I have some stories that are set on the West Coast. And it's one of them, it's called Leah's Co. And there's no way at the time when I was writing it, that I would have been able to carve three pages out of it. Uh, but it was actually fairly easy to do it. And I think I've made it a much better story now. Um, but I had to have that distance in order to do that. I find that sometimes with editing, you just get so close to a page or a passage and you know, you know the pain or the struggle that it took you to write that. And so it's harder to get rid of it. You feel like there's, there's worth in it in some capacity. Anyway, it was easier to get rid of it this time. So I have much more to say on fathers and fathering and parenting, but I'm going to leave it at that for now. I hope you got something out of this. Again, if you want to reach out to me, you can connect with me at thestoriedpodcast at gmail.com. And I've been slow to get my Instagram going, but I have been adding some pictures to it. I've mentioned it in other episodes. So if you want to look at pictures from previous episodes, they'll be there. Thanks for listening.